Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo. Welcome to Shedding Shackles. Today's topic is worries, doubts, and fears. And now, here's your Shedding Shackles host, Roland Trujillo. Welcome, everyone. My name is Roland, and the program is called Shedding Shackles. Today, I want to talk about everybody's life, what happened to you a long time ago, and is continuing to happen now, that's messing up your life. And what happened was, when you were a little child, you faced every day as if it were an adventure. You were a true explorer when you were a little child. You didn't have worries and doubts and fears. All you did was jump from bed and then proceed to see what the day would bring. And it brought one thing and then another and then another. And you spent a little time with one thing and then you rushed off and did another. It was very beautiful. Now, if you had wise parents, enlightened parents, they provided for you a protected environment. But in that protected environment, they let you explore and discover. And so it was beautiful. And you grew naturally that way. Now, let us talk for just a moment about something else that needs to be mentioned. And that is that as a human being, you have a consciousness. This consciousness, let's call it a sense of I-ness. You have a sense of I of me, of yourself. Well, I want to tell you that that is a very special thing. Now, animals, what do animals have? Animals have basically what you would call the subconscious mind or the unconscious mind. You know that as a human, you have a body that does things naturally. Your heart beats naturally. You breathe naturally. You eat naturally and digest food. And you also relate to your environment by way of the subconscious mind. In other words, if it's cold, then you you move away from the cold to a place that's warmer. And if it's too hot, you move toward the colder, and so on. So animals seek shelter. They look for food. They look for water, and like that, okay? Human beings have the same type of a subconscious mind. So the animal basically has a subconscious mind. Of course, it sees and it hears, and then it reacts to what it sees and what it hears. So when the animal has nothing to react to and is not searching for water or for food or for shelter, then it sits quietly or lays quietly and it awaits some stimulus from the outside to which it will react. Are you with me? So we have that. But that's all the animal has. It relates to the, to the environment by reacting to the environment. Now, human beings have a consciousness or a sense of I-ness. When we're little children, we were meant, because we're first of the earth and later of the spirit, as little children, we were meant with our little I-ness, our little sense of me, a little sense of yourself. We were meant 
to relate to our parents and our brothers and sisters and our friends and so on. And we also related to our things, our possessions and our puppy and our cat. And we related to things on the outside that we saw. So that was perfectly natural. And there were things to learn. And so our good parents would teach us those things. They would teach us how to relate, help us to understand how to relate to things and to people. In other words, to be kind to your brother and sister and not to get angry at them and not to steal from other people and so on. Do you see how we're taught by our good parents how to relate properly to people and, and things? All right, that's all very well and good. But now I want to add something that's perhaps the most important of all. And that is that we were ultimately made, our purpose, our ultimate purpose is to relate to our Creator with our consciousness, your sense of yourself, in other words. I'm a man with a microphone, so I, people ask, no, I don't have a church. I do not have a church. I'm just a person, and I open my mouth and I talk. And if what I say strikes a responsive chord, then that's good. Ultimately, we were meant for God, to relate to Him like a parent, and He becomes your good parent, your good father, who teaches you then how to relate to uh, people and things. Now, this is reserved for the second half of life. So the first part of life, you grow as a little child to, become, to full stature, and you develop skills and do things, and you are taught of your parents a little bit about how to relate to other people, and so on. And then, as you become mature, if you love the kind of things that God loves, you love His ways, and eventually you love God, and you love His ways, then you begin to search for Him, just like the animal at a very low level searches for water, or searches for food. Your eyeness, your sense of yourself, begins to search for your Creator, for something missing in your life. And searching for Him, you begin to find Him. And when you search for Him, and you like what you find out about Him, and love what you find out about Him, then He begins to relate to you. More and more, he begins to teach you from within, quietly, wordlessly, how to relate to people and to things. So, first you relate to him, and he teaches you how to relate to people and things. Now, your consciousness, your I-ness, your self, sense of self, was made to acknowledge God. That's right, to acknowledge him, and then to hear what he says and then do what he says. And it's a great joy to have a good father, and you know that he loves you, and you love him, and he teaches you. And so the second half of your life, in a sense, is like when you were a little child. Now 
you're still a child, but now you're a child of God. Do you get it? A child of God, and now you relate to him, and he, the good parent, teaches you how to relate to people and to things. And every day you awake, and it's going to be an adventure. You go out in life, and it's with a sense of adventure and discovery, because you don't know what the day is going to bring. But you don't have any worries. You don't have any doubts. You don't have any fears. You don't have any anxieties, because you know that he's there, and he will show you. He will ever so gently, he will show you how to relate to everything that you encounter. So you move forth into the day to see what it will bring. And when, when certain situations arise, then you lift up your eyes, lift up your hearts, lift up your minds, and look unto him. And he shows you how to relate to the, to the moment. He shows you how to relate to it perfectly. And so it's a very beautiful thing. And so you grow. And so you, you venture through this beautiful green earth that God has created. And you discover many wonderful things about him and his ways and his science and his love and so on. So now you're a child again, but this time a child of God. Do you understand? So now I want to go over the ground one more time, just a little bit, so you see it very clearly. You know that I have written quite a bit about hypnosis, and I've also talked about it, and I'm writing about it again. A new book is coming. It's going to be another book on hypnosis, and this one is really going to be good. But I want you to see a couple of basic things, and that is most people are hypnotized all the time. They're in some, some level of trance. So the best way I can describe it is, is one hypnotist, a very famous hypnotist, described hypnosis as a nervous sleep. So let's get back to our animal again. Let's get back to our animal, the deer, is sitting quietly or standing quietly in the forest. And the deer does not have a sense of I-ness or his self like you do. Or herself. The deer has basically the subconscious mind that relates to the environment, and so the deer is standing there mindlessly. It's just standing mindlessly, and it awaits a stimulus, some stimulus in the environment to which it reacts. All right. Well, that's the way people, most people live. They have fallen away from the higher way of relating to things. In other words, through intuition and wordless insight and wordless revelation, just in time, wordless guidance from the Creator, they are kind of nervous. They're not doing anything, but they're sitting there kind of nervous, and they're just waiting to react. Meditation is very helpful. 
because it teaches you how to relate, to relate to your intuition, to relate to your conscience. It, it teaches you how to do that in a very simple way. See, right now your apparatus, your various apparatus, or whatever you want to call them, your eyes and your ears and your subconscious mind and your hands and your legs and your breathing and your heart, and everything is just totally reactive to the outside. So you have to find a, a simple way to also help your body relate properly to your intuition and then flow from intuition. I think that most people are so lost in the world, so hypnotized, so reactive, and so confused, and they're so, and so entangled and there's so much that they've taken into their head, all these ideas and thoughts, and what if this and what if that, and all these doubts and everything. They need to have some simple way to take that first little step toward conscience, toward God. And how are you going to take that first little step? Well, so why not try the little meditation? It could be just what you need. Hi, this is Jeremiah Trujillo, the producer of Shedding Shackles. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 510-455-8851. That's 510-455-8851. Some stations carry only the 15-minute version of Shedding Shackles. To hear the complete 30-minute program, Go to www.sheddingshackles.com and click on Listen. Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo. See, an animal, you could say that it has a goal. There's some goal which is kind of programmed into it to look for food, to look for water, to look for shelter. It's programmed in. And so that's the animal's goal. So it looks for food or it looks for water. But it does it mindlessly. It is programmed to search. Well, human beings, of course, we need water and food and so on and so forth. But then people on the outside, they give us goals. They give give goals to your, to your I-ness, to your sense of self, of yourself. They give you goals. And then yourself then is kind of nervous and anxious and impatient to attain the goal. Now, how did these goals come to, into play? Well, one way is, is they just tell you, well, you got to do more, you got to study more, you got to be better, you got to be smarter, you got to take more classes, you got to get higher grades, you got to be nicer. See? And those are directed to your eyeness, to your sense of yourself. And they imply, those uh, people on the outside, that you're not quite um, good enough somehow if you don't attain those goals. So since we relate to our parents naturally as little children and other authorities, then we begin to go after those goals. So it's a kind of a programming. Now, the other thing is that since you, as a little child, relate to your parents, for example, then they withhold from you. For example, your parent rejects you, or your parent does something that frightens your little sense of self. Your parent says, well, we're going to get a divorce, 
or you're such a bother to, to me that I'm getting sick because of all the trouble that you give me. Or the parent says, well, you're going to have to go off to this scary place called school, and you're going to be left there for hours and hours and hours. Do you see? And so these create fear, anxiety, nervousness, and then, and then the goal becomes what? The goal becomes to get rid of the fear, to get rid of the anxiety, to get rid of the nervousness. Do you understand? And so the rest of your life then, whenever there's anything scary, your goal becomes to get rid of it or anything that makes you anxious. Now, do you see that if a person grew to become mature, was able to relate to God perfectly, they wouldn't have any fear. They wouldn't have doubts. They wouldn't have anxieties. They wouldn't have nervousness because they simply wait upon God and they trust that in the moment when something is needed, he will provide. They trust that he will, he will give them guidance and give them an answer. And so there's no need for any nervousness and there's no need for any anxiety and there's no need for any fear. Are you with me? So what do we call that? Well, we call it faith. Now, do we have any awareness of God than in this fallen animal state? Like we're like a deer. We're standing there waiting for something to stimulate, some external stimulus or some goal something that symbolizes the goal that will stimulate us to, to act, or something that scares us or frightens us or makes us nervous or makes us anxious or makes us uncomfortable that stimulates us to move and seek comfort and security and pleasure and so on, you see? So what do we have other than what the deer has? Well, we have something called conscience. Your I, your me, yourself. After you've made a mistake, then... Your conscience is there. So what is your conscience? It's God is still there, and he's still wordlessly and very quietly making you aware that you mishandled something. Well, that's a beautiful thing, because if you heed that consciousness, and you relate, and you relate to it properly, which I'll talk to you later about, then what? Then you begin to then move toward him a little more and a little more and a little more. But consciousness, the first thing it does is make you feel, makes your little I or me feel a little bit bad because you messed something up. And if you don't want to see that you messed up, if you don't want to see that you mishandled something, then what will you do? You'll reject conscience. You don't want to feel bad. You want to feel good. You'll blame other people. You'll make some excuse for what you did and so on and so forth. And so that's how you reject God. So as long as you keep living like that, at an animal level, like a deer staring mindlessly through the leaves, awaiting some stimulus, as long as you're like that, and whenever conscience makes you aware that you mishandled something a little bit, then you resent it, and you reject it, then all you have is the animal way of relating to things. And around you, you have people who are unenlightened and who are misguided. And then you have people who are selfish. And you have people whose kindness has become mean or wants to take advantage. 
And so now you're surrounded with all those kinds of people. And that's even that's scary even of itself. Then all you do is relate to them. But relate to them with what? With emotion. Now, the last thing I want to make you aware of is the fact that there's a stimulus and then there's an action. Something stimulates the stimulus for the deer, then makes the deer, let's say, run. But between the stimulus and the action is what is called um, emotion. Okay? So, for the human, there's a stimulus, and then, before the action, there's emotion. And emotion is the energy with which you move. So, somebody says something that threatens your ego, something that frightens your ego, something happens that makes your little sense of self lacking faith, lacking trust. It makes it feel uneasy. Then, what will arise but emotion? And this emotion is the buildup of energy, the buildup of energy, which will then burst into some action. And so, whatever the action is, it will be powered by that buildup of emotion. Do you, do you, you get it? So, that's part of the nervous sleep aspect. The hypnotized person, if you see somebody that's hypnotized, like on a stage, for example, you see them sitting there very quietly. And perhaps the hypnotist said, well, you're going to be relaxed and quiet and close your eyes and you'll feel very peaceful. All right, well, that's what their I or me is sensing. But underneath is this readiness to act. You understand? Readiness to obey. Readiness to respond. And this readiness is just waiting for the hypnotist to say something and then they do it. Whatever the hypnotist says, whatever he says or she says, they then do because they're perfectly in sync with the environment. And right now, the environment that has them captive is this hypnotist. So if he tells them to imagine something, that's the action. If he tells them to feel something, then that's the action. If he tells them to go and do something, to take their shoe off, then that's the action. Are you with me? So now you see people sitting around. And they're just waiting to react. They're, they're waiting for instructions from the environment, just like the deer is waiting for some, some stimulus, and then the deer reacts. So a hypnotized person is just sitting there, ready to do some action. And it's a kind of a nervousness. And that's the energy then with which they move. They move with impatience. They move with nervousness to complete the action. So I think I've made it all very clear. What's the answer? Well, you have to relate to your creator again. You have to relate to him. But the only way you're ever going to relate to him is if you want to. You know, it's well known that the alcoholic, for example, or the drug addict, the only way they really, really, really get better is when they hit rock bottom. They see their own folly. They see their own wrong. And they want to get better. Do you understand? And they don't usually don't really, 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 really want to get better. So the only way that your ego, your little eyedness, your sense of self, your sense of me, the way it's going to get better is when you hit rock bottom and then finally you cry out to your creator. So you've tried everything. 
you tried pleasing people and, and making people like you, and you tried avoiding people, and you tried impressing people, and you tried getting lots of knowledge and lots of education, and you tried making money, and you tried looking good, and you tried, you tried everything. You tried chanting, you tried affirmations, you tried positive thinking, you tried all these different techniques and all these different vitamins. You tried everything to save your ego, to make your little ego feel secure in this low level of functioning that you have and to drive away conscience, which is actually your creator. So now do you understand that what you need to do is simply cry out to your creator and become as a little child again? Who said that? Who said, unless you become as a little child, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God? Who said that? So that's what you have to do. Cry out to your creator. And then when you begin to, to understand or see something by way of conscience, by way of intuition, then just be grateful for that. And bear whatever little tiny pain your conscience brings you because it won't last very long. He just wants you to see, your creator just wants you to see that you've been relating to people improperly, that you've been resenting them and so on. He wants you to see that, and then he wants you to knock it off. And then after that, he forgives you, and then you go about your life. And get the meditation that I have. It's very helpful. The meditation is very helpful because it teaches you how to relate, to relate to your intuition, to relate to your conscience. It teaches you how to do that in a very simple way. See, right now, your apparatus, your various apparatus, or whatever you want to call them, your eyes and your ears and your subconscious mind and your hands and your legs and your breathing and your heart, and everything is just totally reactive to the outside. So you have to find a, a simple way to also help your body relate properly to your intuition. And then flow from intuition. It's that simple. So it has to be something simple. And it, ha it, it has to be a little something that you can do. Now, you have to do this little something. I think that most people are so lost in the world, so hypnotized, so reactive, and so confused, and they're so, and so entangled, and there's so much that they've taken into their head, all these ideas and thoughts, and what if this and what if that, and all these doubts and everything. They need to have some simple way to take that first little step toward conscience, toward God. And how are you going to take that first little step? Well, so why not try the little meditation? It could be just what you need. Now, I want you to go to my website and get the meditation. Give it a try. It's free. It's free. And my website is SheddingShackles.com, SheddingShackles.net, or SheddingShackles.us. Until next time, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. I'll see you then. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Shedding Shackles with your host, Roland Trujillo. Now you can listen to Roland anytime by logging on to www.sheddingshackles.com. You'll find lots of free, helpful information, and you can also order materials or make a donation by using your credit card. 
Once again, the web address is SheddingShackles.com. Please remember that Shedding Shackles is listener-supported. Thank you. Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo.